Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinnon, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. How are we doing tonight, fellas? How you doing, fellas? Good to be back in the Raj. Another exciting week ahead. Here we go. Great to be here, everybody. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. Hope you guys are doing well, boys. Here we go. Yeah, we got a pretty good one on our hands this week. We're going to rub a little T-coil on the old hardwood and toss a few uh, balls down the lane for a little bit of 10-pin bowling with comedy 90s classic Kingpin. From the idiots that brung you dumb and dumber. You wouldn't happen to have a Phillips head screwdriver, would you? He's the man with the rubber hand. Oh, creepy. He's the Amish kid with the golden arm. Whoa! <laughs> you could be a champion. I'm just not interested. You suck! Now, these two pinheads will teach each other you just feel it? Oh. about life in the fast lane. You're about to embark on a great adventure. Does anyone else want one? No, I'll take a couple jugs. Woody Harrelson, what have you been doing all these years? Drinking. Randy Quaid. This is pretty good fun for only $2.99 a minute. Vanessa Angel. Get your hands off me. And Big Bad Bill Murray. On July 26th. Watch the door. Get your mind in the gutter. I will pay you $1 million to sleep with your friend here. Kingpin. Are you still drinking? No, 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 no. I, I don't. That's that's behind me now. I just. Why are you buying? That might be the worst trailer that we've had yet. What was the other movie where we had a really bad trailer? Ooh. Oh, remember we were like, is that actually the real trailer? Karate Kid. It was one of our it, earlier ones. It I might think. have been. No, it might have been Karate Kid. Oh no, one of them had Tupac in it too, and it never had Tupac in it whatsoever. Oh, that was a couple weeks. A couple. Back. Oh my goodness. Well, you know what it was? It was uh, a League of Their Own. Oh, yes. a really bad one. That's right. right. It was really, really bad. Yeah, That's this really one, like, right. big bad Bill Murray. Yeah, he's not. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Whatever you say. Well, you know the drill. Before we dive into our review, we like to crack open the top on a nice cold beer. And it's actually a nice, it's a nice night out here in the Rogers. We're looking at about 12 degrees out in late November. We're doing okay. So, uh, without further ado... Let's jump into our brew review. What are we drinking tonight, Webb? Well, boys, this week's beer is inspired by an elite athlete losing his craft and dignity to a fiery redhead. We pay homage to a raising a tall glass of Crimson from Lost Craft Brewery in Toronto. This small batch brewed, all-natural English-style red ale is inspired by traditional beer from the UK, complete with hints of apple, caramel, and toffee notes. At 4.7%, it's easy drinking and the perfect amber ale to get you through those crisp and cool fall nights. For more information on this and many of their other fine beers, check them out by visiting lostcraft.ca or by giving them a follow on all social media platforms at Lost Craft Beer. As always, Big League Flicks reminds you to please enjoy responsibly and always ensure you have a safe ride home. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Well, let's start with you, JR. What do we got here? Uh, I don't know if I've actually ever had this kind. I've had other Lost Crafts. And as soon as I had this, I was like, wait a minute, I've never had this one, so I'm going to take one more. Two sips, you know the deal. That's the way it is. The way she goes. It's tasty. I like that. Um, I like how it's only 4.7. That's pretty easy drinking. You can drink a bunch of those, that's for sure. Um, 
nothing in this one either really crazy like stands out to me where i'm like wow what a beer um but it's very steady like a lot of the ones we've had um i'm gonna go uh on this one i'm gonna go seven one it's good it's a good yeah i like this beer it's uh i'm in the fall beer season i want Hmm. some darker beers i want some ambers uh this one meets that criteria it's got some nice flavors to it you mentioned those hints of uh apple and caramel i think I can I can notice that a little bit in it. Yeah, it's got some nice balanced flavors. It's easy drinking, as you mentioned. I'm actually going to give it. I'm going to go seven point eight on this one. Seven eight, eh? Yeah, <clears throat> I like this beer. It's a different kind of uh, amber, that's for sure. It's not what you would kind of expect mm-hmm. from an amber ale. Uh, it and it's definitely you can kind of taste the similarities to the UK style beers. Like when I tasted it, this is the first time I think I've had it. Uh, it reminds me of like a lighter, easier drinking innocent gun, right? That's like a good the, point. Oh, the, good one. The hints of uh, of the toffee there, like you can kind of taste that going down. So mm-hmm. yeah, it reminds me of a, like a lighter version of that, um, and a lot smoother going down. I actually really enjoy it. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seven nine. Nicely done. I'm gonna go yeah. seven nine. You guys went high on that one. It's a good fall good beer. It's a nice fall night. I'm digging it. No, I, this was in my yes. wheelhouse for yeah, what I needed. This is a nice yeah? beer. Yeah, I'm nice enjoying place. it. I don't mind yep. it. I'm not as high as you guys on this one. Well done, Lost Craft. Well done. So as we mentioned, we're doing uh, Kingpin, which was directed by Peter and Bobby Farrelly, uh, distributed in 1996 by Metro Goldwyn Mayer. It got a 6.9 rating on Internet Movie Database and 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Had a budget of $25 million and grossed $32.2 million at the box office. Music by Freedy Johnston, starring Woody Harrelson, Randy Quaid, Vanessa Angel, and Bill Murray. Quick synopsis. Hotshot young bowler Roy Munson has it all. He's devilishly handsome, cooler than the other side of the pillow, and just won the 1979 Iowa State Bowling Championship. Munson leaves home to turn pro and quickly learns that the real world can be a real cruel place. Munson falls prey to a con by a disreputable rival, Ernie McCracken, and loses his bowling hand as a result. Years go by and Munson continues his descent in life while McCracken rises to the top of the bowling world. Munson's luck begins to change after he discovers an Amish bowling phenom named Ishmael. Munson finds a new purpose in life as he coaches Ishmael to the top of the bowling world. Will Munson's luck stay on the upswing or will he come crashing down again? jump into our character review and let's start out with roy munson played by woody harrelson roy first of all let's be honest guys what a bowling name to start with it's amazing roy <laughs> like we always talked about this and we go bowling uh, first thing i'm gonna say about bowling bowling is one of those things that i do like every three years and every time i do it i'm always like this was so much fun Blast. and i can't wait to do it again and then it's like three more years passes by and we go bowling and you always have those little spots for names. Roy is a perfect bowling name. So let's just lay the law down on that one right off the wheel. It needs to be, it needs to be three letters because that's what fits on the, on the old 1980s uh, right. electric things that you put up there where you like enter your scores or you enter your names. S-T-U. Yeah. Mine was always Hal. That was Hal. my go-to. Hal. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I, I just go with Web 1B. Web 1B. That's it works for you. Yeah. Hey, no. uh, so Roy, I... First of all, he plays the perfect greasy bowling character. Um, I had him as creepy, lost, a degenerate of the all degen, the highest level of degenerate at this point. Obviously, he starts out, he had that bond with his dad. He had a lot of good things going, of course, and he fell 
to a con at that point and lost his bowling hand in the bowling bringer backer thing or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> bringer bringer backer. You know what I'm talking the about. Technical term. <laughs> yeah, this is very technical. My bowling depth is very high. I never heard, used to work for Brunswick. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Brunswick. I wait for Brunswick. Um, overall, pretty brutal human being for most of the time. I found it hard to like him, but man, he had some funny one-liners. I'm not going to lie to you. He had some really funny quotes. <laughs> his destruction of his path of destruction is hilarious. Posing as Amish when he was posing as that Amish person. <laughs> Some of the, I was how best scenes in the movie. Yeah, hands sure. down. Uh, the bull scene. The bull scene when he's milking the bull. Come on, I milked the boy. I milked the cow. We don't have a cow. We have a bull. He's like, oh boy. You know, it took um, a long time to get it going, but boom, it came out like a shot. <laughs> like, come on, that thing's hilarious. So I mean, you kind of root for him at the same time. He's so brutal. Uh, Woody Harrelson did a great job, of course. Um, has a great comb over. He fits that whole bowling shtick at the end, his uniform he's wearing with the star and the pants and everything and the whole thing. I love to hate him. I think I'll say it like that. Like he's just such a degenerate that I just, I guess I was rooting for him, Webb, but I don't really, I'm, he was kind of a loser too. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. He starts out pretty naive uh, yeah. and you kind of want to root for him and you, you love, I actually love the shtick or he, the beginning clip where he walks in there to the theme there, Disco oh, yeah. Inferno and does the splits and all that. And like <laughs> the ball stops and then rolls through like all that. That's hilarious. And then, yeah, when he loses his hand, like he just, it, it's it's funny. Um, yeah, he, he's a degen at, at the ult, uh, ultimate of degenery. Uh, degenery is that a word? I don't know. We'll just yeah, it degeneracy. Is. It goes Go with the ball returning thingy. Yeah, um, we'll just drop it all in. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he's your ultimate degen, and uh, but I think he means well. He he. It's funny. I, I was thinking about this having just recently watched the Hunger Games movie. He does the uh, drunken uh, mentor thing pretty well, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, good point, yeah. actually. Yeah. Hamish, uh, what's his name? Hamish. Hamish. That's right. Hamish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. He yeah. is basically Hamish. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, great job, Woody. I mean, he's yeah. nothing he does. This is a far cry from White Man Can't Jump, but <laughs> good, good call nonetheless. Yeah, it shows his range. He's, he he does comedies well. He does he he can he's got a pretty good range of characters. Woody Harrelson, yeah. And I think at the end he kind of shows his he, throughout the movie. He's always looking out for Numero Uno, and then at the end when he actually gets that five hundred grand from Trojan Company, <laughs> the Rubber Man. Oh my gosh! Uh, you know, and then he he does the right thing, right? Like he he, he gives it to Ishmael's family so they can save their farm. <laughs> uh, but nobody really would have faulted him for keeping that money. Like Even he's been, he's been through the ringer or the ball returny thingy. <laughs> yeah, the ball returny thingy. <laughs> like no one would have faulted him for keeping it. But yeah, it was a nice twist. I mean, it kind of showed his growth and that he had that turning point where he went back to Oslo, his hometown, and went you know went back to his old spot where he had that makeshift bowling alley that his right. dad made outside of the yeah. uh, repair shop or whatever. Let's move on to Ishmael, played by Randy Quaid. I had him. Uh, I like this character a lot. Randy Quaid's in his wheelhouse at this time, too. Like, it seems like he's kind of rolling pretty good. He's established as a pretty funny dude, I think, to me at this point. He plays like through his innocence and his size and just everything about him like a perfect Amish guy. Yeah. He looks like James those Amish people in Potsdam that are selling yeah. peanut brittle at the Walmart in Ogdensburg. <laughs> Other than like the weird, weird blonde haircut, he pulled it off quite yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, like in upstate New York, there's lots of Amish people, and he looked kind of like one. I'm not going to lie. Um, I wrote that down. He looks like an Amish stud. So 
I think he did a good job. You know, like I think it was to me, it was kind of in a way experiencing that year that Amish people have, where they get to leave their community, and he kind of experienced it. At the time he had the smallest tattoo in the world, and he was like freaking out at the start, and you're like, and then he's like, hey, yeah, I don't know what's wrong. And he turns around, and the one on his back. <laughs> That was awesome. That was like the old commercial. I remember the old, I can't remember what, Labac commercial or whatever. See it later or whatever. There was a commercial. But anyway, um, he obviously is a pretty good human being. He's the one person that Roy kind of did need on it. If you look at this movie in a serious light, he is like a beacon for Roy. Something of moral goodness. Um, I thought the, when he started to, um, get used to being kind of out in the real world, so to speak, the Ishmael gold chain he was wearing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> his name? I don't know. Like, this thing's amazing. I thought he was great. Man, can he ever build a barn? The Amish can build barns. <laughs> when he let go of that barn, I was urinating myself laughing so hard. Because you knew they were going to snap. And then he goes with and the lunch eats bell it. Came. And then he goes oh. and eats it with the little kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and oh, there's so many story to this guy on his time off or or time away where he's you know. What do they call that? Rum Rum Springer? Rum Springer, yeah. 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 He goes to the strip bar wherever he's at and he's like <laughs> up on stage. I'm and here to work. Yeah, I'm here One to work. Hell of a dancer. Anyway, the point of him is he was great for Roy. He was a great offset to Roy's degen level. He had somebody with a moral compass. But man, was he ever funny. And you you could tell, at least maybe I thought, he really liked to play this role. Yeah, he kind of took fun. it on. And this would be a fun role to play if you're just a, a dude. And you're like, I'm going to play an Amish guy who's going to go basically turn into kind of a gangster and do what I have to do. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the haircut, James. So Mrs. Webster had a great point as I was leaving tonight to come over here. She says, you know what would have been really cool? She's like, if they figured out a way. She's like, what's with the Fairley brothers and there's like terrible haircuts in movies? She's like, mm-hmm. it would have been so cool if they would have figured out a way to tie in Harry from a Dumb and Dumber this. Like, I, yeah. I had a note that his hair is identical to Harry's. It's spot on. I, I, was like, I was like, he was almost Harry in this movie. Yeah. And like maybe maybe they couldn't Cousin figure where he went away and never came back and like <laughs> yeah it could have been it was such they an easy totally tie-in yeah. such an easy tie-in yeah because I actually opportunity fair the brothers yeah that does make a lot of sense and because I was thinking can that, be sent to Mrs Webster <laughs> no nope. Sarah nailed that Care for sure hundred percent how about when he's turning away from no from booze and then he's hitting bongs in the back seat <laughs> I wonder if they couldn't head. figure out his look and then at the last minute they're like. They had stuff left over from Dumb and Dumb, and they're like, "Just put this wig on him, and we'll yeah. go with that." Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, let's let's call it a spade a spade. The best part of this movie is the makeup and costume department because the <laughs> looks that they come up with, like Bill oh, Murray's hilarious. hair alone in that final match, where Amazing. it's like flying all over the place, <laughs> and, and he's rolling like, around the ground. Oh my god, it's hilarious! <laughs> the hair was killing me. Oh yeah, yeah. they they crushed it. it was I mean, I got nothing to add on Ishmael. I think Jerry, you you covered it all, but yeah. Yeah, I know I'm good too. I think you really nailed it. I think it was funny the progression of the character when he was on his rum spring or whatever it was, where he's like, you know, Roy convinces him that cigarettes aren't that bad. If the tobacco company (laughs) endorses it, they don't want, they're not going to be selling the dead people, you know? (laughs) Well, that's a good point. They have no business. Then he's not going to drink coffee because it's a stimulant. He's like, what do you think cigarettes are? (laughs) So everything just like spiraled to the, or like cascaded and went to the next. I thought that was well done. Uh, let's talk about uh, Claudia, played by Vanessa Angel. I mean, she's easy on the eyes, I suppose. Um, Wouldn't you? A little yeah. bit, a little bit of uh, a degen herself. Um, slightly more redeemable, only because she has a little bit more of a uh, 
a backbone, let's say, and doesn't put up with the, the abuse piece and tries to do the right thing, but also just as sketchy and just as manipulative. So, I mean, you kind of feel for and want to root for, but at the same time, you're never really too sure how you're supposed to feel about her. I don't know. JR, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of have some of the things you said, Webb. Um, I wrote down that she knows the hustle. Yeah, that's good. Yep. And she brings the piece and she knows what it's all about. And she can really, like you said, manipulate and work. And through her, just herself, she can manipulate a lot of bowling. She bowlers i guess in the bowling world um you know what i mean like it's she knows what she's doing it must have been cold on the set a lot or something i'm not really sure because the temperature must have been down or something i'm not sure Jabe, but i thought she was a good character very important to that sh- to that show to make up the three of them though with the two of them was, well, and then when she jumps in you're like okay you got something going now i yeah. really like that about it you know yeah. what she doesn't provide though for jr no love triangle no, no there's no love triangle going on well, I mean, you technically, you could say there was like the, er- the Ernie Stanley? McCrack and Stanley, Stanley. thing. But no, not that full on one. No, but she's not committed to anything. I like she's even at the end where like her and Roy are kind of together. I'm like, ah, it's not gonna last. Yeah, you know, what I mean, like, no, she's 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 a pro. Yeah, like she's working her game. She's a vet. She's been through the wars. Oh, Crazy. Yeah. She's been through. She knows what she's doing. She's got that edge to her. Um, not a whole lot else. The thing, like you mentioned, the thing she brings that they had to have was that that wily strategy that she kind of mastered because Roy was trying to pull it off with him. Like he didn't have a lot of. He's got some pretty bad grifts in his bag. Like you remember when he was pulling the old twenty dollar change for a twenty trick, change for twenty, <laughs> and he and he replaces it with the one dollar bill. <laughs> he had the hundreds of monopoly money. The dictionary salesman. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if uh, Harry the Hat taught him that on, che- on the set of Cheers. Remember oh, Harry yeah. the Hat? That's right. <laughs> you know what? I will say this. You know what Claudia played the judge in Night Court, too? Uh, yeah, oh, what was his Anderson. Something Anderson. Harry, yeah. Harry Anderson. Harry Anderson. Harry Anderson. He was yeah. awesome. He was amazing. But do you know what Claudia did actually remind me of that I just thought of now? When she's standing over the ball returny thing and her, her kilt or dress is blowing up there. And I was like, oh, yeah, that stupid hand thing. Remember you throw your hand in front yeah. of it, get oh, your yeah. hand all dried off. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're out in the lanes. You got to be serious. <laughs> yeah. There's we don't, spares to pick up. When I was there. in university, we had, and you remember this place, JR, in Potsdam? It was called, uh, I forget what it was called. Lucky Strike? It was, it was the bowling like, alley? Yeah. You remember the bowling alley in Potsdam? Was it right in town? It was right beside like the Caroline's Diner or whatever. It was right on the main. Oh yeah, drive yeah. There. It was by yeah. But they Fire had party, a, Mark Hamilton's apartment. Yeah, it wasn't too far from there. Yeah, yeah. So we had Tuesday night. Tuesday night was the last night we could drink during the week because we had a forty-eight hour curfew rule. So we had games. So we couldn't drink Wednesday and Thursday nights. Uh, but Tuesday nights we could still give her. And Tuesday nights at that bowling alley was like two dollar games or something like that. Something Sweet. stupid. And the beers were like a buck fifty, so we used to go in there and just get crippled. But we we put together like teams, like we had a bunch of guys going. We put together a couple of teams, and we got shirts made up, and we went all like full bore, like right it's really bowling. fun. Bowling was blast. amazing. I loved it. The pin pals. We used to go every Tuesday night, and just get <laughs> crippled. It's a fun time bowling. We, and we made it. We even made like a Facebook page. It was called Cocktails, Pins, and Dreams. Oh my <laughs> Jesus! Oh wow! Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, Ernie McCracken, played by Bill Murray. No relation to Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Big Ern. What can I say? Um, one of the best bowling approaches and follow-throughs in the game today. Uh, Bill Murray, I thought 
this was to me some of my favorite Bill Murray. I literally enjoyed some of this Bill Murray acting. I liked the rose inside the ball, him talking to the ball. Like Webb, the comb-overs, like both Roy and Ernie's comb-overs. I'll leave a little bit of that to you. Um, Ultimate Showman, the wrist guard, the, the, oh, that, that, the bowling thing. They all. <laughs> I just couldn't get over this guy. He was a scumbag D-Gen bowler as well in the bowling circuit. Um, but overall, really good job by Bill Murray on this one. Um, really funny. He just played an awesome job, Webb. They should have added the like sunglasses, like the old Oakley M frames to his final look when oh they gosh. came back. Like the guy that's like, yeah, that me, you know, that viral yeah, clip of that who's guy. That guy I that forget his name. He's another DJ. He's like, got a duster on like I do. Right? He needed yeah. like the A-Rod M frames. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like the old David Duvall's, like, yeah, yeah. just bright orange or something. Add something to his shtick. Uh, hilarious though. It's funny you think like this is – a little bit more of a confident Bill Murray. Like, this is post-Caddyshack. This is a lot of similarities to Caddyshack. Yeah, there are Bill a lot. Murray. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's great in this movie. I think he's the star of this movie, hands down. I mean, Woody Harrelson's great and everything, but you got Bill Murray. Like, come on. He stole it from me, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah Do you think we should have added him into sports villains? He's a good. I think he's a he's villain. He's a good sports villain. I think he's yeah. a villain. I, I wrote he, that down. He's too funny to be a sports villain, I think. Like, yeah. a shooter, shooter's a... A shooter's douche, and he's yeah. not funny. This guy's just funny. Yeah, he's a good. He's a villain though. Everything he, he does is, is like he 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 throws like, right under the That's bus. true. Okay, or into the ball. All right, we'll he, throw him in there. Everything has a, a bit of like edge and trying to put people down and whatever to him. Like yeah. it's a character. Like it's he does it in a such he's hilarious, he's opportunistic. Yeah, yeah. He's numero uno, numero uno all the time perfect character for that i don't really have much to add um we'll get into it more like in some of the quotes and stuff but he was wicked in this role i thought uh let's talk about any other notable characters that kind of stuck out for you what do you, do you guys have any other notable characters i have uh, a couple i have one first of all the guy that plays the gambler um chris, chris elliott yeah uh rolling shit um i, I this is so dumb, but rolling shit playing at the craps table. <laughs> I really like that guy too. I liked the one How I Met Your Mother and all the other shows he's in. He was in, in really another Fairly him. Brothers movie, which was he's uh, in something about Mary. Something Mary. About Mary, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I just finished up Shit's Creek, so I was like, hey, it's rolling shit. That's one of the main <laughs> things I noticed. I thought he was great, um, Webb. I'll leave you the one I know you want to touch on, Jamer. So I'll go with uh, Landlady, it was pretty nice. good. Uh, <laughs> What's the, the? I was trying to think of. She had some hilarious lines. Uh, what? What's Stanley from? Like him and his eyeliner. He's, he's been in a bunch yeah, of stuff. Yeah, but he I was in uh, me, my, me, myself, and I. That's yeah. what it was. He yeah. was on the force with. Okay, he's a Fairly Brothers yeah, regular. He's too. a he's a regular guy. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't guys. place. I'm like I know he's from something I've seen a thousand times, but yeah, I couldn't place what it was. What about the landlady Scranton? Yeah, Scranton. We forgot the shout out to Scranton. Oh, shout out to Scranton. PA. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Scranton VA. Yeah. Yeah, Stanley was funny. I mean, uh, the eyeliner. Like oh, yeah. he looked like he looked like maybe he moonlights in like an '80s cover band or oh, something. Yeah. And didn't. Like, oh yeah, he was classic. Yeah. Um, one one guy too was uh, the bartender at the bar when the priest and the priest too. The priest oh, for sure. Yeah, like hilarious. But uh, at that first bar where Roy loses his hand. The you know the bartender oh the guy in the wheel like the little uh, wheelchair guy or the little no, like no not that guy but the, the excited bar- bartender oh yeah yeah the the, yeah 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 <laughs> when he gets all like jazzed he's up got, he's like, got like the horse teeth 
Yeah, he's got the horse teeth, and he's got, like, the stutter and stuff. He was priceless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, had a, he had a funny quote, and I can't remember. I think I might have made it made a note of it, but uh, that I can touch on in the quotes. But, yeah, those there's some good, like, secondary characters here. Anybody oh, yeah. else you guys want to touch on? Oh, come on, Jam. I'm giving, I'm serving really? this up. The rocket. Come on. Skidmark? Skidmark. Skidmark. Skidmark, Skidmark you got yeah. All right, Skidmark, Roger Clemens. We're going to talk about him a little bit later, but yeah, that was a wicked cameo. Fairly Brothers, standard, putting in a legendary sports guy into their movie. It was, that was a wicked cameo by Roger Clemens. Let's jump into uh, best best quotes. What do you got for quotes? Uh, well, the one we talked about already, the bull one, that was probably my favorite. Uh, the landlady had a, a bunch of great ones. Um you know what is it about good sex that makes me have to crap? I guess it's all that pumping, pump and dump, like, <laughs> pump and, and just dump. like the look on her face <laughs> is so disgusting. Like, oh my god, <laughs> there was some, there were a couple ones like I realized how much of a degen I am that I'm laughing that hard at <laughs> some of these like really disgusting ones, but like those are ones that were pretty funny. Uh, the ten frames one is pretty funny too. That that's for Quakers. Oh, that's hilarious! For Quakers. Such a like that's hilarious. such a like just a one off one. That's hilarious. I don't know. Those are my big ones. Jr. What are you? Um, I had uh, bowling for money as my only vice in the priest, and then he slaps the waitress's ass. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was amazing. And, and then gets a drink, and he's like, "All right, too." <laughs> um, Munson to bowling like Dimaggio to baseball. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was, that a, was a pretty one. funny one. And uh, Tangeray and Tab, keep them coming, sweets. I'll have a, I'll have a, uh, sorry. Tangeray and Tab, keep them coming, sweets. I have a long drive. Whenever he said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, holy cow, you are a scumbag. Or when he's like, or can you go eat outside? Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, honey, when you, when you, can you go wipe off that perfume when you come back to your table? Oh my <laughs> just, gosh. Just like, just like being a dickhead, I love Oh, it. those are some of mine, James. Uh, one of the ones I thought was hilarious, too, was when they're at uh, Stanley's house for that, like, bowling match. Yeah. And uh, this is when they first meet Vanessa Angel's character. And <laughs> when she walks away, like, all the guys are, like, staring at her. And then Ishmael turns to um, Roy and goes... I didn't want to be the one to tell them, but those, with them narrow hips, that <laughs> oh, yeah. couldn't have more six, six or seven children. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about childbearing hips the whole time. <laughs> yeah, he says later to uh, Ernie McCrack, and he goes, "You can take those childbearing hips and get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's priceless. Yeah, no, there's some so many good one-liners. This is like another one of those ones we could spend an entire episode on the one-liners. Uh, the one where. <laughs> Also, just last one I'll just mention is where uh, they are trying like really poorly to run that scam, that the dictionary scam. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, with Ishmael and Roy, <laughs> and Ishmael's like, "Oh yeah, but I'll lose my entire bonus check because I'm so bombed." And then the bartender's like, "You get that way when you drink ginger ale?" <laughs> and then Roy goes, "Nah, he was sniffing glue in the parking lot." <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a lot of. Lines or, or the boy in the commercial, the charity commercial. Sometimes when I wake up, Mr. McCracken's already here. <laughs> 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 All right, let's jump into some little-known facts. So, Bill Murray was a good, actually a good bowler in real life. And when they did that scene at the end where he had to bowl three strikes in a row, it only took one take. Wow. He actually nailed it. He, he bowled three strikes in a row. Uh, and the crowd's reaction is genuine because uh, they were just so amazed that Bill Murray could pull that off, like bowls three strikes in a row That's at one that moment. Hell of a stroke too. Yeah, yeah. Is. He uh, had a good stroke. Yeah, very, very finesse stroke. 
And apparently Woody Harrelson, on the other hand, was a terrible bowler. Like he had, he had, they said, somebody said, uh, one of the crew members said, uh, he didn't, they didn't, he didn't crack a hundred the entire time they were bowling. Come like, on. A hundred's easy. Like, come on. Yeah. You got to be able to do that. So, um, as in the case with most of his movies, Bill Murray ad-libbed virtually every line that he spoke, including the commercial. He would read over the script, get the general idea, and then discard it. Fairly Brothers on the DVD commentary said that they're glad that he did because it was even funnier than what was written. Yeah, that's classic mm, Bill Murray, yeah. right? He that's does that. That, fair, that first match where he's having he's doing the commentary, it's very Caddyshack, right? Oh, Just, yeah, Cinderella story. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> Peter Fairley called the film's box office failure the biggest disappointment of their career, attributing the failure to its release during the 1996 Olympics. Fairley said that it was crushing. However, that uh, six to months, six to eight months later, when the film was released on home video, it actually became a big hit, and they made a lot of money off the back end of it. So, you know, it is what it is. But that movie, uh, sorry, that that year, nineteen ninety six, just for sports movies alone, Happy yeah. Gilmore came out that year. Tin Cup. It is a big King year. Pin. There were some other good ones. I can't remember them off the top. Ninety six was just a big year in general. It was. There's, There's a, a lot, lot of stuff that on. happened in ninety six. True. Yeah. As they mentioned, the Olympics. Like it Donovan was a big Bailey. year. Yeah. Yeah. According to Chris Farley's agent Doug Robinson, Chris was offered the part of Ishmael, but his contractual obligation to appear in Black Sheep derailed this plan. That's probably for the best. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I would have bought him as like a no a naive um, Amish guy. No, Black Sheep was hilarious. Too. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's another movie. Ninety six. Yeah. I would have forgot. So in the scene in the bowling alley restaurant, just before Ishmael is about to get beaten up, the three are eating burgers and fries. However, Roy is eating a salad because actually in real life, Woody Harrelson's a vegan. I didn't know that. Oh, I knew, I knew he was really big into hemp and that. I remember watching him on Letterman yeah. a long time ago, and he was it was kind of right when <clears throat> legalization of weed was becoming a huge deal. Okay. Uh, and he was talking about like hemp and THC and everything he does. And so, yeah, I could see that. The band playing at the bar while Ishmael uh, dances with Roger Clemens' girlfriend is the same band from There's Something About Mary that plays between the scenes. Yeah. Yes. I kind of did pick yeah. that up. Yes. I recognize those yeah. guys. Totally. Yeah. So Michael Keaton was originally considered for the role of Roy Munson. That's an interesting choice. I think that could have worked. Yeah, I like Michael Keaton. One of my favorite. I, I like a lot. Yeah, I, I yeah, don't think I've ever that. seen a Keaton movie that I didn't like, but one of my favorite Michael Keaton movies and one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Multiplicity. He's fantastic. In that. Mm-hmm. I love Multiplicity. Yeah. He pulls comedy off really well. He does. Well, I mean, Beetlejuice too, right? But he's yeah. also very straight-faced, and that's why. Like, and, and I mean, same with Woody. Woody's, but Woody's goofier looking, so yeah. he probably made more sense for this movie. It does. I mean, Woody was a perfect guy, but I think, yeah, I think Michael Keaton probably could have pulled it off too. Yeah. Or he would have been a good uh, big earn, maybe even. Yeah. Because he could pull He'd be really funny as a He would have been more of a prick, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he, he would have been he a, yeah, play a different. He would have been. Dang, he might have been all time sports villain had it been Michael. Yeah, yeah he, he would have been more along the lines. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. So Nicholas Cage also turned down the role of Roy Munson. I don't know. Mm, yeah, I just don't no. see that one. No. His snap shows wouldn't be like good enough for like bold. Like they wouldn't fit. 
You know, they wouldn't fit this like thing. Like his snaps are very, Yeah, maybe. I yeah. think that's it. He's his, too intense. When I think of like him doing comedy and snap shows, I think of uh, Honeymoon in Vegas. Yeah. Which yeah. he was wicked in that. But it's a different thing. Like he was a like a, a stressed against every moment. Yeah. Woody's more played this character as more of like a nonchalant, but like life's beating him down, but he's just like, oh, you know, like I, he's a lovable degen, whereas if yes. it was Nicolas Cage, you'd just be like, this guy's a sociopath. Mm-hmm. He might kill someone or himself. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I think that would have been the difference. So Jim Carrey was actually the first choice to play Ernie McCracken. What are your thoughts? Oh. He would have well, brought more physical comedy to it than Bill Murray for sure. I would take yeah. Bill Murray over Jim Carrey. But just imagine, yeah. like, so the scene where he's like, Bill Murray's like celebrating and like <laughs> rolling on the ground and that. Just imagine if that's Jim Carrey doing that. Oh. Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey would have been so over the top. It would have, it would have been really funny. It would have been, yeah, yeah. Certain, I, like, I take Bill Murray. Yeah, I want Bill Murray. I want Bill, Bill Murray for the dialogue piece alone, like in yeah. the one liners. Like he'd be, he's smarter, funnier. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, but Jim Carrey would be the a physical. riot. He'd be he, the he physical. Would be really funny to watch. I'll give you that the physical stuff, but like the the little the yaddy does for the children's thing. Bill yeah. Murray's so funny. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Like that's pure like smarter comedy to me. Where it's like that's funny. But there's this His, old everything he does. Sorry, there's this old in loving color skit where oh. Jim Carrey plays Joey Buttafuoco. Yeah, and like I'm thinking like <laughs> that Jim Carrey and like that or like even Fire Marshal Bill. Like yeah. Jim, yeah. like in living color, Jim Carrey would that be was gr- his... would be great in this movie. Yeah, that was his like mm-hmm. height. Yeah, like just like, can you imagine? Like he's up, like he's doing the scene, and you know, Roy's going up there to throw a strike, or he gets up in his ear, and he's like, "Joey Buttafuoco over here," like just like something like (laughs) this. Facial expressions would be like making you piss yourself. Absolutely, I agree. So in the final tournament, the announcer says that there's a Cinderella story shaping up. Obviously, a reference to Bill Murray's famous scenes in Caddyshack. So we kind of touched on that earlier. There's a lot of parallels. Mm -hmm. They drew a lot of parallels, and that's something the Fairley brothers actually do a lot of. So in Cheers, uh, here's another one. So in Cheers in 1982, season four, episode nine, uh, entitled From Beer to Eternity, Woody Boyd, played obviously by Woody Harrelson, reveals that he's an ex-bowling ace who retired due to a crippling uh, bowling accident. In this film, his character is forced to retire due to the bowling injury. So there's some parallels drawn from that. Another thing the Fairley brothers do. So the Farrelly brothers, as we mentioned, were known for putting Boston sports figures in their films. Former Red Sox pitcher Roger Clemens appears as Skidmark. And then and obviously in uh, Dumb and Dumber, we have Cam Neely, former Boston Bruin great, playing um, Seabass. And there was actually, um, it wasn't written into the film, but apparently when in an interview, the Farrelly brothers stated that they were uh, there was supposed to be a parallel between the two characters. Skidmark was supposed to be Seabass's cousin, but I think it got cut off the road. There was, oh. there was going to be something that kind of tied that together. Seabass. <laughs> so wait, cousin. they're thinking of tying those two together, and they couldn't put it in their heads to tie Harry to yeah the Amish community. Like that just writes itself. It gets, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. That's a good point. The, the thought processes. It would have yeah. been funnier had Skidmark been like Seabass's long lost like trucker boyfriend. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, for a yes, good time. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's fine. And that would explain his rage, right? So, exactly. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Here's one for Jr. So Roy's car is a 1972 Oldsmobile Cutlass yeah, convertible. Yeah, totally. This is a car. Yeah, this is a car you would definitely see Kevin Costner driving. At some it's point. a midlife crisis car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So George Clooney was considered for the role of Stanley Osmansky. Mm, I don't know. Too cool. Too cool. He's way too cool. This too guy, cool. You needed to have it's a guy that ocean. was like uh, like an 80s kind of guy. Mm. He looked like, you know what I mean? Like kind of a sleazebag. He's too A-list Although, for that. imagine George Clooney in that outfit. Like where he's got like <laughs> kind of like the parachute pants and the tucked in kind of turtleneck looking sweater and the, he the that, longer yeah. hair. It would have looked funny. Yeah, for sure. He he would never do that. No, he's too suave. He's too. He's Here's too one busy for Webb. Nescafe. <laughs> Here's one for Webb. PGA Tour players Brad Faxon Great and Billy player. Andrade both agree, uh, appear in two scenes when Roy enters the bowling alley in the opening sequence and when he leaves for the first tournament. Both players have numerous wins on the tour, obviously. Hmm, cool. Yeah. Brad Faxon is a fantastic putter. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. While Woody Harrelson was working on Cheers, he and Kingpin co-director Peter Farrelly were actually roommates in Boston. Or no, they were in L.A. at that time. Because Cheers wasn't shot in Boston. But the Farrelly brothers are from Massachusetts. When asked about first meeting Woody, Farrelly said, Oh, poor guy. He'll never make it in this business. (laughs) (laughs) Turned out all right. He's okay. So Woody Harrelson at the time was in great shape doing this movie. He was like mid-90s, right? So he was hitting a few... He was kind of doing more leading men, getting away from the goofy mm-hmm. kind of cheers shtick that he had. Is this before American History X? I was trying to. Is that him? In or no, 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 no. Natural Born Killers. Natural Born Killers. Sorry. I think this it's after. I think might right? have been just after. But he was starting to get those roles, right? Like those kind of leading guy roles, and mm-hmm. you, you know, he was in good shape. He's a vegan and pretty handsome guy at that time. So uh, Boyle was pretty jacked. Yeah, yeah. He was, fit. He was cut. So Woody at the time was in great shape taking on those roles uh, in order to look pathetic and not sacrifice his body and looks, which he apparently wasn't willing to do. Harrelson shaved a bald spot and grew wispy side hair to use as a comb over. He wouldn't agree to put it on extra weight, so they created a prosthetic belly for him to wear. It looked fake. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Because yeah. the rest of them kind of looked normal. And then you can always tell from the jaw, right? Yeah. You can. Like he, had a, he had a kind of a square jaw. He had a square jaw the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, eh, he doesn't look like that. No. He's going to have that. So that kind of made, made sense. While many were understandably grossed out by Munson's sex for rent deal with, with his <laughs> landlady, Paul Simon was a big fan of the scene. I love Paul Simon. <laughs> I love Paul Simon too, you dirty little prick. <laughs> You little pervert. So apparently the iconic singer-songwriter thought the scene was so funny that he personally approved the use of Simon and Garfunkel's song Sound of Silence to play over it. That's (laughs) a beauty. I love it. I do do love Paul Simon. I've got multiple records and play them all the time. In the original script, the ending was that Roy lost the tournament but goes to the casino, puts a quarter in a slot machine, and wins a million bucks. They didn't like it and rewrote it to the ending that it ended up being. I agree with that. Rubber I, think man. He, I think either would have worked, but Rubber yeah. Man's funny. The rubber I like the Rubber Man. hilarious. Yeah. I think it was a perfect ending for it. I thought it was great. Totally. Was good. I'm glad he didn't win the tournament. Like, you know what I mean? No. No, that, no. That's no. more fitting. Yeah. I didn't want him to win. And this was like, I thought this ending was really in line with kind of typical Farrelly brothers. Like, remember at the end of Dumb and Dumber? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, they wanted, they wanted him to get on the bus in Dumb and Dumber. And Jim Carrey talked them out of it, saying that's not what Harry, uh, yeah. Lloyd would do. Yeah. Right? Like, he's going to tell them to go the other way. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that makes sense. It's actually back that way. <laughs> uh, 
um, you realize what you've done? <laughs> <laughs> One other note I had that was funny that was uh, remember Roy spills the coffee on the baby. When he was <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry there. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> He's like hovering over enough precious or something. Like, yeah. Oh, this guy's a skin. Oh, yeah, that was good. When he, I, when he hooks the alarm clock, too. That's pretty funny. <laughs> he rips all his jackets all the time. He's like, ah, yeah. oh, whatever. And he's got his buddy when they're running that con so that he can yeah. convince his landlady he's a hero. Yeah. <laughs> and she comes in and he's in the, he's in the room and he throws the hot coffee in his face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's jump into uh, soundtrack. So, this, the music was composed by singer-songwriter Freedy Johnson. Johnson's music is usually about troubled loners covering topics like heartbreak, alienation, and disappointment. So, it kind of fit the, you know, is kind of fits that character for, for Roy. Uh, Johnson has contributed to the following movie soundtracks. Things to do when you're dead, kicking and screaming, and heavy. Hmm. Not really a huge... No. Not, 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 not a big massive, name guy. Uh, resume there i thought the soundtrack yeah. was pretty good i, I did the songs yeah. were placed well i thought it was i thought it was yeah. the the uh, you, you probably know more about this web but like the fairly brothers uh typically use a lot of those like bare naked ladies and mm-hmm. yeah they're kind of they got kind of like a i'll say a folksy vibe but they're like that alternative folksy like blues travelers bare naked yeah. ladies like, like in the mid 90s kind of like early yeah, 90s mid 90s uh, what's the like uh Crash Test Dummies and like Dumb and Dumber, right? Like the Peter Pumpkinhead song, like stuff like that. There, right. There's like a, yeah, I don't know, a pop folksiness about them, if you want to call it. Yeah, that's for a good way to put it's it. It's like a mix of, yeah. To me, they had no moments in the movie of like, what? You know, when like when a song, a random song is placed in, you're like, I don't really get it. Yeah. I, every song that was put in here, I like, I recognized most of them, but I was like, no, that makes sense. It's fitting for yeah. like the, the situation. Sometimes we've watched some movies where it's like a random song put in, you're like, this makes no sense. I am going to yep. give a shout out to one token song. So, and my buddies from high school will appreciate this. Uh, a little Superman, Goldfinger, uh, classic, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic, uh, early, late 90s, early 2000s punk, punk song. Uh, the boys and I used to love that one. Uh, I got a couple of pictures of buddies that we, we used to put that one on in the old headphones going down roller coasters. So nice. it was a lot of fun. That's good. Good too. Headphones going down That's roller right. coasters. In the old disc man. <laughs> the disc, don't let it rebels. skip. Yeah. Anti skip. Anti skip for sure. It lasted gotta, for one song. Hold it in your hand like this. Yeah. 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 Don't don't bounce it. Don't <laughs> bounce it. Did you get the tape to put in your car so you could yeah, play it on your <laughs> And someone had to hold. When'd it? you get the CD player? When we got the money. <laughs> Excalibur. So let's get into our movie wrap-up. Where does this rank among all-time fringe sports movies, and where does it rank among all-time sports movies? Oh, boy. Uh, fringe sports movies. Uh, let's go Kingpin. I haven't watched it in a long, long time. What, I, do you got, what, what are some of the ones you might have above it? Dodgeball. Yeah. It's a good movie. Uh, definitely Dodgeball I'd have over Days this. Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder's way over this. Yes. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to go Kingpin. I thought of this because I thought of a fringe sport, like where I'd have it. I'm going to put it in my top 12. Mm-hmm. I have a few other ones that I'm thinking of that can kind of come in my head, but the other ones are way up. Uh, where is it all time? Way down. Um, I I don't know where to put it. I passed 100 somewhere. Way down for me overall. I you know, I, I enjoyed it, but I probably won't watch it again for a very long time, if at all. But I got a good laugh out of it, Webb. Yeah. 
What's your definition of a fringe sport? So I would say, I'll just give you examples of the ones I have on my okay, list. Okay, go. So I've got The Color of Money. Okay, so pool, pool movie. Days of Thunder, the race car movie. The Wrestler. Lords of Dogtown. Skateboarding. Okay. Um, I've also got Seabiscuit. Okay. McFarlane USA. It was a, it's like a running movie. Okay. So that's kind of where I've got for like fringe ones. Okay, so this isn't even making a fringe sports movie list for me. So yep. this pool, same thing, not making anything where you can drink beer and eat nachos at the same time <laughs> is not 120. Is not, 180. Is not a sports movie. Not even a fringe sports movie. All those other movies you listed, other than the color of money, involve some kind of physical athleticism being exerted, whether it's riding the horse or driving the car. This doesn't even make a list, okay? This is not You need a mechanical skill to do this. This is, this is like just the equivalent is, of like driving a go-kart or playing cornhole in the backyard. Like, <laughs> this, this is hand-eye coordination, Webb. This is, this, yeah. is, this is, come on. What's wrong with you? This is hand-eye coordination. You said at the beginning of this episode, this is something you do every three how about, years. But you how have it, to have no physical conditioning whatsoever to do this. What are you this. talking about? Activity. <laughs> Here's a question. Is curling a sport? Yes, there's uh, physical activity involved yeah, in it. I would say that this has just as much physical no. activity as curling. No, you're I can't way. eat nachos and drink beer while I'm curling. Well, you can't do that while you're bowling. Sure, you're you actually can. bowling the ball. You hit bowl what? You hit throw two balls. You go back, eat your beer, and or drink well, your same beer with and curling. eat your nachos. What? You can't do that while people you're drink, curling. People drink while they're curling. After curling, what about here? How about this one? What about golf? Can't eat beer, eat nachos and drink you hit beer. Your, while you hit your ball. You hand your caddy your thing, and then you drink your beer while whoa, you're going down whoa, the court. Caddy. <laughs> whoa, caddy! Or you get in you your car. You're getting a caddy. Oh, this is do you great. eat hot dogs and drink beer while you're golfing? No, I do it at the, at, in between the ninth and tenth hole. You don't take your hot dog on the course with you? No, never. I, I eat do. it in between. Like is a there, man, I eat it in two bites and is, it's over. Is there a beer card person? Because I want another one. Oh, yeah. Do you drink beer while you're golfing? Occasionally. 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 Maybe. <laughs> Occasionally. Oh, this is good. Helps me drive him straight. I think it goes right along with those notes. Not putting it up there. Can't do it. Well, I'm just Won't saying, like, it. every list has, <laughs> you know, sports movies. They put These ones are on them. Golf movies. This one's ball. not even making my top five of Farley movies. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have it that high either. I don't. It wasn't in my top 10 on fringe sports, and I'd say, well, outside my top 50. That's all I've. Charted for mine. <laughs> this is amazing. But yeah, I mean, it was funny. We had to work a web staff show somehow. <laughs> we had to work one out. What are you talking about? <laughs> we had to get one. Took us all the way to get to here. Holy, about time. <laughs> yeah. No, but I thought it was funny overall. Holy cow! Couple, good Finally, couple we're laps. there. But uh, so as as we've done the last few weeks. We've been doing, uh, following kind of along with uh, the inspiration that we received from J.J. Reddick's uh, Old Man in the Three podcast. And this week, we've got a draft that kind of links to the movie that we just reviewed. So Roy Munson, obviously hard in his luck. This week, for our draft, we're going to do Athletes with the Worst Luck in Sports History. Let's kick off with... I'll go middle this time. Give JR the t- yeah. top pick this time Let's, around. JR, you go first. You're going to give me the top pick? I'm gonna You're getting the top, the top one. Yep. Okay. That's a piece of cake. Uh, top picks are pretty straightforward, and I have to take it. It's cliche, guys, but I got to take this one. 
I got to go with, uh, he has sense to cease, but I have to go with Bill Buckner. That was a really good baseball player with over 2,000 hits who made one mistake in a World Series game, and he, he has never lived it down. So, and he never did live it down in his life. Eventually, Red Boston forgave him, but I can't go not go number one on a list of bad luck athletes, boys, and not pick Bill Buckner. Makes sense. I'm going to go. This one's tough because I don't know if I would have gone with this one before, but now that you mentioned that, and he's, I got to go with the Chicago Cubs and Bartman yeah. as, my, yeah. as my first pick, just because I know they've gone on to win the World Series since, but like, at that time, that moment, just watching Moises Alou's face, like he was just so dejected. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, so I'm going to go with Bartman. And that was home. a good Cubs team. Yes. They yeah. were rolling. Yeah. That was Dusty Baker too, wasn't it? Was, that his co- was he coaching that team that year? Jeez, uh, how am I forgetting that? You know who the luckiest guy in the uh, major leagues is? Alex Gonzalez because he made the error on the next play. Oh, and no one remembers no one remember. Alex And it was horrible. Same with Bill Buckner because uh, there were play, there were things that happened after yes. that. Yes. That easily. Nobody talks you know, about. They, no, they just put kind of pinned it all. In. And they also had another game left in that. Yeah, it was game six. Game. Yeah. yeah. Whole other game. Totally could have won it. No they, Buckner's fault. Yeah. Uh, this is a tough one to think about what I'm going to pick. Torn between a couple. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to group. Well, you all, get two. I, that's right. I got back to back. So uh, first one I'm going to do, I'm going to group the early 90s Buffalo Bills all in just one pick here. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That hurts me, but I'm <laughs> doing it. From 91 to 94, the Bills lost four straight Super Bowls, and we don't have a Super Bowl yet. So my Bills. Looking good this year. <laughs> They're good. They're looking good. I'm, I'm not going to jinx bandwagon. it. I'm not going to jinx it, but... Yeah, we're doing all right right now. They've won a couple tough ones lately. So they had a bad stretch, but we're coming back. and It's good. So my next one, though, I'm going to go with uh, this uh, female athlete. was the most dominant player in tennis until she was cut down in her prime by a crazed Steffi Graf mm. fan named Gunther Parche, mm. he st- uh, who stabbed her while she was on the court in Hamburg, Germany. Between 1990 and 93, Monica Seles dominated, winning eight Grand Slam titles. The stabbing sidelined her for two years, and upon her return, Salas was never the same player. Even though she won two more Grand Slams, she never reached her potential. So, Monica Salas, you're getting my second pick. Remember how loud she was? Yeah, I was just going to say, huge, <gasps> huge grunter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember how, I had that uh, Sega Genesis game, I think. It was Jennifer Capriotti's tennis, but oh, yeah. Monica Seles was, like, was, was, was like the top player you could play in that game. She was yeah. awesome. She was great. All right, I'm going to go with uh, basketball star cut short in his prime in the NBA that I thought he would have just been a stud. Portland Trail Blazers. I can only imagine what they'd look like with him and Dame Dollar. I'm going with Brandon Roy. Hmm. Ooh, I thought you were going to go with another. No, not going to go with that other guy. No, I'm going with Brandon Roy because Brandon Roy yeah. was a legit stud in the NBA. He was really good. Um, so I'm going with him. Definitely. Good pick. Yep. Um, okay, I got to go with an oldie but a goodie uh, for my next pick. Um, I'm going to go with Steve Smith of the Edmonton Oilers. Oh. 1986 Edmonton Oilers when he banked it in off Grant Fuhrer's leg to lose again in overtime against yeah. the Calgary Flames. and the, Well, it was big Gretzky years where they were going to walk to the Cup. If he didn't do that, sorry, Steve Smith, but you made the list. Um, the list. Yeah, I got one more. You got one more. So this was a tough one for my third. Jame, I had the Buffalo franchises. I added the Sabres in on that one, too, because of the thing, but I'm not going to go with that. Um, my last 
pick that I'm going to go with is actually Felix Hernandez for Seattle. That's a good oh, pick. Oh, that is a good one, That's yeah. That's a sneaky good pick. That sneaky good pick. Felix Hernandez was such a good pitcher for so long, and his teams were so bad that when Seattle became remotely decent, he was no good anymore. And yeah. I kind of felt bad for him. I mean, he yeah. made his money. Don't get me wrong. He made tons of money. But a lot of his good years were wasted in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, he stayed so loyal there to Seattle. He stayed yeah. so loyal to them. And I am going to go with him. There's other ones I could pick. I am going to go with Felix Hernandez as my third pick. Ooh, I'm kind of torn on this one. Um, geez, who do I want to go with? I'm going to go, even though he wasn't, I can't pick him. I'm going to, actually, yes, I am. Going to, I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers of 2012 that would have won the Super Bowl had not and beat the undefeated New England Patriots had Kyle Williams, Kenny Williams kid, not fumbled a punt on the 11-yard line of the San Francisco 49ers uh, in overtime to lose to <laughs> Eli Manning and the New York Giants, who then went on to beat, of course, Tom Brady with the David Tyree catch. So, uh, I mean, we would have got one of the – we would have maybe not had one of the best catches of all time, but uh, it hurt as a 49ers fan. That one hurt a lot. I was thinking about Tuck Rule, too, for you, JR, but decided I wouldn't go I that didn't deep. go with it either. Wouldn't go that it. deep on you. I'm going to go with, uh, for my last pick, I'm going to go with uh, Brian Taylor, who was actually the first overall pick in the 1991 draft by the New York Yankees. He was a 6'3 lefty who could touch 100 miles per hour. After being drafted, he signed for a then record $1.55 million signing bonus. In his senior year in high school, he struck out 213 hitters in 88 innings. To this day, many scouts still say that he's the best high school prospect there's ever been. On December 18th, 1993, well, uh, two, two years after he was drafted and he was on his way through the minors, uh, fast-tracking to the majors, Taylor was injured while defending his brother Brandon or Brendan in a fist fight. During the fight, Taylor landed awkwardly on his pitching shoulder. Uh, he suffered a torn capsule and torn glenoid labrum. Leading specialist Dr. Frank Job said that the injury was one of the worst he's ever seen in a shoulder in his career in orthopedic, uh, as an orthopedic surgeon. Taylor missed most of the next two seasons and never recaptured his form across four more forgettable minor league seasons, never reaching higher than a ball. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. I remember him. I, I had How his... How bad uh, is it, brother, feel? I had his class, um, yeah, classic okay. 1991 draft rookie card. I had a couple of them, I think. And I remember he was supposed to be a stud. And it just obviously never happened. That's crazy. Who are some other ones you guys had? I had Greg, some... Greg Oden. Yeah, Greg Oden, Greg Oden was on my list. I had Scott Norwood. Yeah, yeah. You, when you said the Bills, yeah. I took Norwood off. Yeah. I, if if you guys were going to shoot down me doing a team, then I was going to go to either Norwood or like Jim Kelly, just because. Oh, Jim Kelly. Uh, you, Jim Kelly. You know Jesus. another one I had. I was telling Webb at lunch today. Love Jim Kelly. But I had I had on. Ryan Whitney. You make the Stanley yeah. Cup Finals. Then no. you get traded for Chris Kunitz, and then they win the Stanley Cup Finals. I then you, you lose the gold medal game, and Sidney Crosby torches you. That's I got tough. I got you beat on that. You know why? I had Marion Hossa. On, on, I on had a, one of them. Mine too. Marion Hossa. So Hossa, even though he had a Hall of Fame career and he won two Stanley Cups as a member of the Blackhawks in nineteen in the two thousand seven two thousand eight season, Hossa was traded the deadline to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who made it to the finals, but oh, they lost right. to Detroit. In the offseason, he was a free agent, so he signed with Detroit, thinking he had the best chance to win a cup with them. 
Detroit reached the finals. Who do they face? The Penguins. Who wins? The Penguins this time. So he ended up on the losing side on back-to-back years of the Stanley Cup with the same teams involved. That's that's like the worst. That's the worst. There's some names. What about uh, basketball web Nick Anderson? Uh, Would he be on there? I thought about him when he missed all those foul shots. That's what I remember of Nick Anderson. I mean... Yeah, hard luck too. If we're going, just like I gotta throw guys like guys that just were so good but never won, right? Like I would throw Barkley. I'd yep. throw Carl Malone. Carl Malone's like near the top in the all-time points scored, and he's. I don't want to jinx it, but Joe Thornton. Yeah, till this year because he's yeah. Oh, till this year we get, get the parade ready. in Toronto. That's oh, right. COVID okay. parade. Here That's we go. That's right. Get ready, Jr. I'm surprised you didn't pick this one. Bo Jackson? I have him down here. Did you? I had no heart to do it. Yeah, I know. It was tough I didn't one. have the heart to put Bo on Rick there. Ankiel. I had Rick Ankiel. He's Rick just Ankiel. too good of an athlete. You, I don't know. Like, you can't feel sorry for Bo. He's I just have too Bo good. on there. How's He's this for an list. outsider? Michael Bishop. The quarterback? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I so here, I listen know. to this story. So Bishop was drafted in the seventh round in 99 by the New England Patriots. He made his debut against the Indianapolis Colts, and on his first pass attempt, threw a 44-yard Hail Mary touchdown to end the first quarter or first half in, in his that. first career appearance. A year later, starter Drew Bledsoe struggled mightily, and Bill Belichick decided to make a change. The first choice was Bishop. However, he had suffered an injury that week in practice, yeah. so they ended up going with a third stringer by the name of Tom Brady, and the rest is history. My wow. golden boy. So Tom Brady is actually quoted as saying, Michael Bishop is one of the best athletes I've ever seen. Wow. So that's bad luck getting that injury. Did like Cunningham ever win one? No. He played for the Eagles. No, yeah. and they played for, he lost as the uh, Vikings. Remember they were like 14-2 and two right. and the yeah. Balkans beat, the Dirty Birds beat yeah. them? That team had, was nasty. I loved Randall Cunningham. So, oh, yeah, he was great. I just watched his uh, A Football Life on YouTube. Yeah. It's a, it's a good one. Hmm. I also had a sneaky one, uh, which was... <laughs> Any New Jersey goalie picked between 1991 and 2014. <laughs> <laughs> Forget this. The New Jersey Devils drafted, I did the research on it. They drafted 15 goalies, including two in the first round. Of these 15 goalies, they accumulated to play 222 NHL games. The most were played by, uh, 191 games were played by uh, Broder's longtime backup, Scott Clemenson. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so if you were ever they drafted, draft his kid too. They did. He was one of the picks that fell within that range. I was gonna say <laughs> Anthony Broder. That's one of the funny. best jobs in the NHL, backing up Martin Broder. Yeah, yeah. It's like a bullpen catcher. I was gonna say that's like your bullpen. Oh, Clemenson had a great gig. You make your five hundred thousand, hang out, you know, easy on the body, no problem at all. Yeah, life is good. Yeah. Let them know where to hit us up, Web. All right, thanks again, everybody, for listening and engaging with us on social. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And please continue to engage with us on Twitter at Big League Flicks and on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. Big League Flicks, Jordan, Christian, and Jammer talking movies about sports and the good and the glamour. Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring. Fun facts and trivia, man, rocket comparing. Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things. Was it real or did they lose this as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance. Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants? With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics, Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer!